Welcome to another episode of Off the Menu. I'm your host, Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with a jingoistic Charles Coulot. Jingoistic? Yes. Jingoistic. Characterized by extreme patriotism. Huh. Especially in the form of aggressive and warlike foreign policy. Wow. No one's ever accused me of that before. That's that's great. Oh, we don't want to fight, but a jingo if we do. We've got the ships, we've got the men, we've got the money too. You mean like that? <laughs> yes. You mean standing up forthright for old glory, the stars and stripes, the star spangled banner. Is that what you're talking about? Uh huh. The land of the free and the home of the brave. Bunker Hill, Fort McHenry. Uh, Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, Porkchop Hill. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think. Our, our lands and our flags unfurled to many a breeze from dawn to setting sun. That's what you're talking about. Yes, isn't that you? I guess. If you say so, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. Until the whole wide world is waving the, the red, white, and blue. We won't be anywhere. But one day, the whole world will be an American imitation. Whether you go to China or France or, or Brazil, it'll be just like running around Tustin, California. Won't that be exciting? It's an interesting choice of cities there. Uh <laughs> what are you against Tustin? Nothing. It's kind of random. It's... No, it's not random. It's the holy city of, of Southern California. What? Yeah, Tustin, <laughs> California. It's, it's 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 holy. It's 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 land where our fathers died, land where our minds are fried. All that Tustin, California. What are you talking about? There's nothing in Tustin, California. What do you mean? There's nothing in Tustin. <sighs> Obviously, we have to put this to the test. Oh, I please, don't believe you said that. Please don't. I shouldn't have engaged you. You know, no, no, you open the door, pal. Guess what? Firstly, aha, listen to this. Tustin's mission is to provide effective, high-quality services that foster safety, quality of life, and economic vitality throughout our community. What do you think of that? Talk now, mind cheap. you, I, I grant you, I grant you that Tustin is no... Peace River, Alberta. Okay? I grant you that. But they have the marketplace, formerly known as the Tustin Marketplace, the district, the Tustin Area Museum, the Enderley Center, the Marconi Automotive Museum, Old Town Tustin, and the Tustin Ranch uh, Golf Course. So what do you say to that? There's nothing in Tustin. Oh, wow. Congratulations. They have a couple municipal services. Pin a medal on them. <laughs> What a shining example of a city. It is a shining example of a city. <laughs> and one day, every city in the world will be just like Tustin. Okay. And they'll all wave the flag. <laughs> Except Peace River, Alberta, which will keep waving the uh, the maple leaf forever. Charles is, as he did on the pre-show, he's got his Peace River, Alberta pin 
Did somebody send you that pin? Yeah. You got a fan in Peace River, Alberta? Uh, uh, Lamont, Alberta, but he thought Peace River being a francophone town would be more to my taste. Wow. And uh, you probably should extend that offer on the full episode in case anybody wants to uh, to donate some, some pins for you to wear. You say, send me a lapel pin from your hometown, ladies and gentlemen, wherever it is across this great globe of ours, and I will happily wear it during an episode and extol the virtues of your community. Yeah, there you go. Because, see, this is how community activism works. You've heard of people becoming community activists, haven't you? Yes. You've seen them interviewed, haven't you? At times. You know, on television, uh, something happens. Anything from a break-in at a, at a liquor store to a, uh, a snatch-and-grab. And, grab. and uh, there'll be somebody talking with so-and-so, so-and-so community activist. Well, how do you think they get to be there? They're, I mean, apart from going to training in the community activist schools. Because there's nothing else to say about them from a reporter standpoint, so they give them that label out of charity? No. No. Community <laughs> activism is a skill. It's like brain surgery, okay? It's like nuclear brain physics. Surgery. Yeah. Brain surgery or nuclear physics. Or hand modeling. It's just as intricate as any of those important fields. Hmm. I don't know. If, if you were an Arcadia activist, you'd be wearing an Arcadia lapel pin, but you're not, are you? You know who else was a community activist? Saul Alinsky. Oh, is that your is that your role model? Is that what you're trying to be? Saul Alinsky? A wolf in sheep's clothing? Dedicate this book to the devil? Is that it, he, really? Yeah, but he he only did so because it uh, brought more sales. <laughs> he knew what the American public were like. <laughs> it was a, it was a oh, totally a sales game. Uh, marketing ploy dedicated exactly. to the okay. You should know about that marketing ploys for books. <laughs> you should know about that. And a besides, bit. besides, Saul Alinsky comes highly recommended by Roger Cardinal Mahoney, a prince of the Roman church. Yeah. He had Alinsky's organization, the United Neighborhoods Organization, set up similar uh, fronts, I mean organizations, community or, or activist organizations, throughout the Archdiocese of LR. Are you going to say Cardinal Mahoney was a daughter of the devil? Don't, don't put me in that position, Charles. Well, no, I won't. I mean, if you don't think he was, that's fine. I never knew you were such a fan. I am of his, not though. the judge of the living and the dead, Charles. So don't put me on that pedestal. <laughs> you made that statement during the pre-show, and you also claimed <laughs> that you were an omniscient, omnipotent, or omnipresent. Yeah. So right after we clarify that that I'm not these things, then you you put me right back there. Why well, do you do that? Why? Well, so that the the uh, the regular uh, the regular viewers of the real show can enjoy what the patrons had. It's it's a strike for equality, which is extremely important on the Fourth of July, because that's when our friends and neighbors are watching this show, and it being the fourth, I have a right to be jingoistic, to be a flag waver, because it's the Fourth of July. 
All right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you something, pal. I'm a Yankee doodle dandy. A Yankee doodle do or die. A real live nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the 4th of July. I've got a Yankee doodle sweetheart. She's my Yankee doodle joy. Yankee Doodle went to London just to ride the ponies. I am that Yankee Doodle boy. So top that, smart guy. And let me tell you something else. Oh, beautiful, spacious guys, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Top that, smart guy. Cohen would... Would be proud right now. You're really wrapping yourself up in the flag. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Today, and actually, all kidding aside, this is the first 4th of July since I was 12 years old that I feel like celebrating the day without my fingers kind of crossed. You going to wave that flag? You going to put the flag out? Uh, the red, right, and blue? One. You I don't, don't have even have the flag. Wow. No, I don't. But what I will do is stick a pin through a, a copy of Roe v. Wade. A pin? A pen. A pen. It's in something a you write pen with. Through a, so you're going to print out a copy of Roe v. Wade and you're, you're going to do? Yeah. Okay, and then I'm going to throw it in the barbecue on, uh, on uh, Monday. You guys are barbecuing? Yeah. We're going to have a barbecue. Nice. And it's it's we have a barbecue. We're gonna have the flag out. We're gonna sing patriotic songs in Austria. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a number of Americans left here. I mean, real patriotic songs like the the Shannon, the Chesapeake, and Hearts of Oak, and you know, songs like that. I see. Well, that'd be fun. I, you know, um, our worshipful fathers will give them a cheer. Who to regions unknown did courageously steer? Loyal our fathers and loyal are we. Our muskets are ready. Steady, boys, steady. For King George we shall conquer again and again. That's an old Revolutionary War song. Nice. Do you think everybody will know the lyrics to that one in Austria? I'll teach them. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. But, I mean, they won't care anyway. It's all English, all American songs. So they won't notice. Okay. You know. The, uh, and uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll sing, teach them some of the more appropriate ones, you know. Um, like, um, My Country Tis of Thee. And, uh, well, of course, my personal favorite. Actually, of all the patriotic songs, is one you rarely hear anymore. Oh, Columbia, the gem of the ocean, the home of the brave and the free, the shrine of each patriot's devotion, a world offers homage to thee. Thy band, thy mandates make heroes assemble. When liberty's form comes in view, thy banners make tyranny tremble. Three cheers for the red, white, and blue. Three cheers for the red, white, and blue. Three cheers for the red, white, and blue. Thy banners make tyranny tremble. 
Three cheers for the red, white, and blue. Nice. What about the Battle Hymn of the Republic? Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. He hath sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Nice. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. You mean like that? Just like that. Do you feel more fervent? I do. If you can get a touch jingoistic yourself. Just a touch. Just a little bit. I want to bring the boys home. Okay. From Europe, from Asia, everywhere. That's my jingoism. Fair enough. Bring them back to the States. Bring them <laughs> back alive. Is this going somewhere? I'm not sure if you're doing something. I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, maybe could okay. be. <laughs> Let Barker's sons be not dismayed and join with me. Show me old blade, come booze and sing and lend your aid to Gary Owen and glory. And instead of spa, we'll drink down ale and pay the reckoning on the nail. No man for that will go to jail from Gary Owen and glory. Are you feeling more patriotic now? Yes. Very Are you getting in the mood? I'm getting in the mood, Charles. Stack arms, men, pile on the rails, stir up the campfire bright. No matter if the canteen fails, we'll make a roaring night. His blue, his burly blue, which calls him on his Shenandoah, says he's strong. We'll swell the brigade's rousing song of Stonewall Jackson's way. Is that is that a Confederate song? Will I be punished? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Am don't I know. Am I going to be punished for that? I don't know. Oh, man. Well, we managed to get in a loyalist song and a Confederate song in with all the other... I, I, I think you won't be punished, but out of sheer ignorance. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I think if people knew, then maybe you'd be punished, but... Uh, I don't think people uh, are going to be aware of what you're doing. You don't think they'd catch on to the uh, the loyalist and Confederate stuff shoved in with everything else? No. So they'll be all excited as well. Yes. All right. I think they should be. All joking aside, and I will for just a minute. Although maybe I should save my uh, more serious remarks for the end of the show. What do you think? Um. Yeah, let, save it for the end. I I like when you sort of close s strong like that, so it's like we get to 
sort of sets the tone for the rest of our day. You know what I mean? Sure. And this being the the 4th of July. Yeah. Born on the 4th of July by Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Like the movie. Yeah. 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 Actually, Tom Cruise was born on the 4th of July. All right. That's not true. Why would you say that then? Why would you do that? I don't know. It just seemed like the thing to do. It's it's kind of like a trip to Peace River. How is that? It's wrong, but it just feels good. So this is a non a non paid announcement from the server Chamber of Commerce. Well, what is what? Uh, oh, you're solicit you're you're advertising Peace River. No. But but free of charge. Yeah. This is a totally unsolicited advertisement for Peace River and for Tustin, California. Two communities which have very little in common with each other, except that they both have very active uh, promotional bureaus. The chambers of commerce are constantly coming up with ideas to attract people. Wonderful. You may not go to Peace River, but you think you'll make the Hajj down to Tustin to see the new mall? No. So you don't like Tustin? Why do I need to go all the way down to Tustin to go to a mall? It's not any mall. You say it's like it's any mall. No, I'm not saying it like it's any mall. (sighs) And you can see Old Town Tustin. Every town has an old town. Old Town Arcadia, Old Town Pasadena, Old Town Monrovia. What is Old Town Arcadia? Or, uh, or well, I guess Downtown Arcadia, right? Yeah, it's not Old Town, that's for sure. How would you define Downtown Arcadia anyway? It just doesn't have thing. I, I like the I like the bookstore, but everything else uh, it's just kind of weird. Well, you would say it's basically what First Street at Huntington Drive. Well, south of that. South of Huntington Drive on yeah. First Street. Yeah. You'd say that's that's downtown Arcadia. Yeah, yeah it is. It's the, the, the beating heart of Arcadia. Okay, just just stop. This is <laughs> this is exhausting. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean exhausting? I'm extolling I'm extolling the virtues of your native town that gives you tax breaks as a major business and and, and you're you're pained. Here it is. You're happy to have me go on babbling about the virtues of Peace River, Alberta, and Tustin, but you 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 don't want me to say anything nice about Arcadia. I like I, that. I, I honestly rather you talk about the Paramus Mall or something. All right. <laughs> Beats are a man with souls so dead. Who have not to himself once said, "This is my own, my native land." Wow. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Let's get okay. Let's move on all to a different right. spot. All right. No memes of production this week. Sorry about that. Let's go oh, eat. That's so untrue. I have something to share. Oh no. Okay. Well, you'll be happy I did this. All right. You don't believe me, I can tell, but you're going to be so happy. 
I mean, you're going to be hardly able to, to contain yourself when you see this image. Okay. What was the symbol of the U.S. before Uncle Sam? This, before Uncle Sam? Before Uncle Sam. Go ahead. I'll send it to you. Okay. Let me bring this up for everybody. Um, one second. Uh, I don't even know who that what that is. That's really a mystery to me. Um, okay, one That's second. Columbia. Uh, put me on the spot here. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's put it on the screen. Um, okay, it's on the screen, Charles. So she's... That's, That's Columbia, Columbia holding a flag. Got an American shield. There's an anchor. There's a bald eagle. There's a bunch of fruit. Statue of Liberty in the background. We've got a train going right next to her. It's all symbolic of the way America saw itself in the 1890s when this print was made. It doesn't get more patriotic than that. What's the um? What's the thing with the wings and then the two snakes going around? I've seen that before, like for medical professions. Yeah, it's the caduceus. It refers to medicine and the rule. Well, yeah, why are the two snakes intertwining like that? I never understood that. Uh, because they they referred to the two gods of medicine, I think. The two gods of medicine? Yeah. Are snakes? Yeah. And you'll also see them on the, uh, I think, on the, um, what do you call it, on the um, mace of the uh, of the House of uh, Representatives. But here, what they refer to is medicine. Hmm. And see, basically, medicine, shipping, tra uh, the railroads, agriculture, industry. Uh, she's holding an olive branch with the eagle there, her little pet eagle, her pet bald eagle, has the arrows, so he's ready to defend himself. It's like Puritan's Empire. Uh, uh, the, the cover, a, the book cover. In a sense, uh, a little bit, yeah. And then uh, you've got the Statue of Liberty to show we're all about freedom and stuff. So well, that's that's Columbia. Also, she's breaking on the chain uh, of the ball and chain, I guess. that. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, so that's that gives you a little feeling of how your great great grandparents felt about their country. Hmm. Okay. It's a symbol of these United States, Colombia, embattled by outside. Hmm? Uh, no, I'm just noticing there's nothing religious at all, you know. And oh. this is a time when I thought like America considered itself a a Christian nation. Yeah. But so this is uh, this is a prime example of the religion of America without. Specific religiosity. Hmm. It's interesting. Okay. Um, are you ready for state of the week? Yes. South Dakota. You're joking, right? I'm not joking. You said North Dakota last time. That's so you're, you're like a geographical rut now. What? No, it's okay. Uh, I don't mind. I've been to South Dakota. It's got a lot of fun stuff. I'm just saying you're in a geographical rut. That's all. Well, I just thought I, I like we'd tackle the sister state in the in the. All right, right. no, no. If, if 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 you want to conform to the forces of geographical containment, I'll you know I don't mind. 
All right, South Dakota, great state. <laughs> Very agricultural, but it's got a lot to see there. Uh, the uh, Custer Battlefield, of course, is in Montana, a little bit off the ways. But you have a lot of Indian reservations in South Dakota as well, most notably Sioux. I know that we're supposed to say Lakota today, but I'm old. Um, you've got Mount Rushmore, the Spearfish South Dakota Passion Play every few years. Uh, you've got the beautiful cathedral in Rapid City, South Dakota. Wall Drugs in Wall, South Dakota. And this... This is one of my favorite places in the entire union. All 50 states is Wall Drugs. Wall it's Drugs. a store? It's a store. And that's how it began. And for miles around, literally hundreds of miles as you're driving through this great country of ours, you'll see signs saying 185 miles to Wall Drug and so forth. Basically, back during the Depression, Wall Drug was a drug store as it is now. But it was one of the very few places where they would give you free water when you were driving through. And it became famous as a result, and it became a, a destination. And now it's exploded. And in addition to the original drugstore, you've got a wedding chapel, a museum, all kinds of things dedicated to the wonders and joys that are wall drug. Not too far away, you've got another wonderful place, the Corn Palace which is just what it sounds like, a palace made out of ears of corn. It's really an astonishing thing. And if that weren't enough, you have the National Tractor Museum, which I myself have gone through. I've also been to the Corn Palace and the Walled Rug. Uh, there are lots and lots of stuckies. There's a German family-owned restaurant on the highway. I can't remember the name, but it was a big destination for a long time. I can't remember the name of it, though. Uh, but South Dakota is filled with wayside attractions. Like so many states that people have to drive through to go anywhere, they make a point of giving you reasons to stop, and there are plenty. So I highly recommend if you can take a long road trip, you'll enjoy driving through South Dakota. Hmm. Okay. Um... Yeah, that I, I was looking at the Google My Business listing for Wall Drugs. It seems like the ultimate, uh, like stop. Uh, oh, it's amazing, stop, and yeah. they have back scratchers and snow globes, everything you'd want out of a major, uh, major place to go. Yeah. When are we going to get a? Um, when are we going to get uh, Tumblr House Tower back scratchers and snow globes? It's on the to do list, Charles. <laughs> well, you know, it's unfortunate. I saw the prototype snow globe. But the problem was the tower popped out through the glass and the water leaked out. Right. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think that was very smart. It should have either it should have been a smaller scale tower or a or a, a taller glass thing. As it was, it just and they made hundreds of those things. And they weren't able to sell any of them. I thought that was bad. You know, I I've been meaning to talk to you about the gift shop in the lobby. Okay. It, it could really use some uh, some sort of upgrade. Why do you say that? <sighs> all right. You got so you go to some gift shops. They've got all this up to the minute stuff, right? You really want to buy that? 
then you've got other other gift shops, and it's like all retro, so you want to buy that. But the Tumblr House gift shop is neither one. It's it's just stuff kind of thrown together higgly piggly with not much of a theme, and you wonder who who would buy it. It's as though you got some cheap deal on consignment goods, and figured that just by scrawling Tumblr House across them, so souvenir of Tumblr House, sticking them there. That somehow it made them appropriate. I will wager that the sales from the gift shop are not very big. Well, I don't know the exact number, Charles, but I feel like you're being very subjective and uncharitable right now. Uncharitable? I mean, so, so these various knickknacks aren't your cup of tea. Maybe they're someone else's. One man's, what, trash is another man's treasure? Yeah, well, I... <laughs> I don't know which man would find the stuff you got selling in their treasure, but I mean, who in heaven's name, who buys generic uh, shaving cream labeled souvenir of Tumblr House? Who buys that? Well, I mean, what do you mean? Gen- I mean, how do you know it's not Tumblr House brand? Because. Because it's you've got the thing taped over the blue Ralphs under it. Maybe that's part of the branding, the branding strategy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but I mean, you can see the blue letters Ralphs under the tape. That's what makes it quaint. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, okay. As long as it's quaint, I guess there's not much I can say about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That random garbage you see for sale in the gift shop is actually quaint. <laughs> it's it's not just something that fell off the back of a truck and got rebranded. <laughs> Boy, that's a relief. I can sleep tonight, I'll tell you. Talk about a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> that's I, good, Charles. I, I thought it was just stuff that fell off a truck. <laughs> and somebody figured this was a great way to offload it without ca- calling any attention. <laughs> Who'd suspect the gift house was being used? The gift shop was being used to Get rid of hot merchandise. <laughs> I, I was wondering, you know, they had all these black and white portable TVs that looked about 50 years old. They're gathering dust, but they still say souvenirs of, of Tumblr House. Those are antiques. Oh, yeah, but they've been for sale there for a long time since they weren't antiques, since we're up to the minute. All right. Well, Enough for all to fall. (sighs) Absolutely. Um, All right. Time for the questions. Oh, boy. All right. A question from our buddy, Vonde Radio. Oh, okay. All right. He says, uh, Charles, what would you say are the most atmospheric fictional horror locations in the United States? Uh, A darkening. Good good question for the 4th of July. This Mm. is the kind of patriotism we can all get behind. A darkening woodland trail in New England, a crooked shack in the bayous of Louisiana, an abandoned brutalist factory in Indiana in the fall, 
or the 13th floor of a publishing empire's Californian skyscraper? I have to sound on out sound off on this first. The initial question did not include the Tumblr House Tower, of course. It came in a subsequent it didn't say it was the Tumblr House Tower. Oh, that's true. That's true. This is the first time Vonde Radio, like because he he always has such serious, like, you know, poignant questions. This is the first time he's joined us in this space. And I feel well, like more than anything else, we finally achieved something. Yes, what we don't know, but something. <laughs> First, we, we, want to, we want to welcome you aboard Vonday Radio. You have nothing to lose but your sanity. And uh, I don't know that that's much help in today's world anyway. You know, uh, I mean, if you, if you found you had wings and you couldn't fly anywhere, you might as well get rid of them, right? Same with sanity. Anyway. Uh, well, those are all four very evocative locales, Frank. Yeah, I've certainly been in all four. So, uh, one question. So, what did, what does Sunday Radio mean by brutalist? Just sort of uh, like the... Ugly, non, non-ornamented... Oh, uh, okay. You, you know, the Bauhaus kind of stuff. They're, they're just nasty looking. I see. Uh, and an abandoned factory... Uh, an abandoned factory in the autumn in Indiana would be pretty, pretty whacked. One of the um, one of the scariest because uh, I used to watch like a lot of ghost hunter shows, and one of the scariest ones were sort of the abandoned um, asylums, where yeah. I guess um, which were also used to, I mean, uh, I guess house people with TB back in the day, and it was just so many people dying there. So that's like another. Uh, that's a super haunted location. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, basically, we, we've touched on this before in the show, but those sorts of asylums were where the homeless went. Mm, yeah. And the reason why we have homeless everywhere is because we don't have places like that anymore. So, you know, you're, you're stuck with where they better off, which... Obviously, we know that left to themselves isn't good. Being in those places wasn't any fun. It's it's sad. But I, I would say those are all terribly, terribly evocative. Um, I can remember uh, when I was a boy, of course, the, the old New England path thing could be frightened, frightening. Uh, the bayou and the, the whole weird voodoo element there in uh, Louisiana. Um and you know, I, I mean, I certainly know what he's having reference to with the thirteenth floor of a of, of the skyscraper. Um, I had a very unusual experience actually on the thirteenth floor of the Tumblr House uh, uh, tower. I uh, it was very odd because one of the one of the peculiarities is that very often, most often, when you push the button, there's no thirteen on the elevator. But then you get on, and suddenly, sometimes there is one. On this one occasion, I noticed this, and I saw that somehow it had been pushed, although I hadn't pushed it, but I could see the thing. And so I, I tried to push 12 because I didn't want to. But it went up to 13. Uh, it opened up, and then I'm sorry, what were we talking about? 13th floor? Oh, you mean in the Tumblr House building? Yeah. 
Interesting. I had an experience where I took the elevator up and I tried to push 12 because I didn't want to stop at the 13th floor, which very often isn't there, actually. I mean, you, you most often you don't see any sign of it. And when there is there, it's well disturbing. So despite my best efforts, it stopped at the 13th floor. The doors opened and then I'm sorry, what were we talking about? We're getting into question from French guide number one. Oh, all right. What's that? He says, hail to the Caesar of savings, Vincentier Franquinier, and to his loyal, legendary legate, Carolus Columbus. Wow. Okay. It seems to be the Latin there is a bit stretched, but never mind. <laughs> Latin snob over here. Uh, I have questions which I hope the noble legate shall answer. I've recently, I have recently been reading about General Andre Vlasov and have become quite fascinated with him. I've been struggling to decide if Vlasov was merely a useful idiot, a genuine Russian patriot who wanted to see a Russia free of Stalin and communism, or a sycophant who wanted to be on what he perceived at the time as the winning side. Could Charles talk a bit about General Vlasov and what he thinks his true character and intentions were? Hmm. Well, Vlasov was a uh, divisional commander in the Soviet army, the Red Army, when uh, the Germans invaded, and he defected with a number of divisions and lots and lots of troops. And these were great Russians, not minorities. Uh, you got to remember that Vlasov had managed to survive the terrible purges of the Russian officer corps that Stalin put through in 36 and 37. Uh, and this is 1941 when the invasion took place, my mistake. So at any rate, he really destroyed the cream of the Russian officer corps. And he was doing his best to wreck Russia. So to answer your question, I think Vlasov was a patriot. And until it was too late, uh, he saw the Germans as the best chance Russia had of becoming free. So uh, let's talk about the purge a little bit. Can you tell us more about that? Like, what was the criteria? I mean, is it just paranoia? What's happening there with Stalin? Well, it, it was paranoia. I mean, he was he was afraid that the army might overthrow him. So he wanted wanted to remove those officers with the, uh, who were, A, in his view, the least ideologically reliable, and B, the most able because he was very much afraid that they would overthrow him. So he, he figured he was beating them to the punch by purging them. So he wanted leaders that were stupid and blindly ideological. That sounds familiar. Yeah, that's what he wanted. Sounds uh, like what we got. Sounds like what? What we have as leadership in this country. How dare you say that? Let me tell you something, pal. We have the best government money can buy. That's for sure. Uh, all right. Um, hmm. Okay, uh, number two uh, question from French Guy. He says, I've also okay. been studying Miklos Horthy. And again, I feel very conflicted. While on one hand, he did everything to prevent Blessed Emperor Karl from reclaiming his throne. He also seems to have been a true Hungarian patriot who did his best to, to lead his country through World War II and to prevent the deportation of Hungarian Jews. Could Charles talk a little bit about Admiral Horthy and what his true legacy is? 
Well, it was a mixed bag. I mean, to his saintly king, he was an obstinate traitor. But both for personal and for patriotic reasons, he got rid of the Reds in Hungary with the help of the Romanians. And he, um, he certainly wasn't as bad as what followed him. But he, um, he was a vain man, and he wasn't that bright in some ways. Um, really a tragic figure in a lot of ways. Tragic how? Tragic that he could have done a lot of good that he didn't do. Beyond the, um, the Blessed Carl incident. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, it's interesting that when he was dying, he asked the Archduke Otto to come to his bedside. And oh. Otto came, and he asked Otto to forgive him. And he did. Forgive him for what? Betraying his father. What does that mean, though? If forgive him as in, like, is he thinking, like, oh, I, I'm sorry I betrayed you, but it was still good for the country, the best thing for the country, or it was the worst thing for... Like, what's behind that, do you think? Well, I think what's behind it is that he had broken a number of his oaths, and he was going to die. And the only... Since Emperor Carl was dead and couldn't forgive him, he asked his son to do it. No, but... I'm, I guess I'm kind of asking, what was he sorry about? Having to break an oath for the good of the country or a ha or sending him, uh, the country, down the wrong path? Sending it down the wrong path oh, okay. uh, out of his own greed. You know, at one point during World War II, uh, the American government, uh, through and with Otto, had made contact with Horthy's then prime minister. And they were negotiating to try to get Hungary out of the war the way Italy had been gotten out. Well, Horthy was a very vain man, and he was, was always on the lookout for more property and titles. So um, Otto and the U.S. government are in, are in uh, direct uh, communication with Horthy's uh, prime minister. Then Horthy finds out about it and immediately sends a note asking what he can expect if, if a separate piece is made, what he could expect for in the way of a title and property. Wow. It reminds yeah. me of like the nobles in Braveheart or something. Yeah, or Game of Stoners. Game of Stoners or something like that. Okay. Um, all right, a uh, question from Brian who says, uh, Charles, what is your opinion regarding Hetulio Vargas, right-wing leader of Brazil? How did he get his nickname, Father of the Poor? What was his relationship with Brazilian integralist action, which seems to have attempted a coup at least once? Well, he was a populist like Juan Perón. Uh, his Novo Estado was partly influenced by Salazar in Portugal. Um he uh, got shared some ideas with the integralists, but then broke with them completely. And they, as he rightly says, revolted against him. He was actually overthrown in a revolution in 45 or 6, and he committed suicide during the course of it. So 
that was the end of Getulio Vargas, but he was a typical strong man with the strengths and weaknesses of any strong man. So he, he was Catholic. <clears throat> he was. I mean, uh, de- uh, devout or not really um, to your knowledge. He seems to have been, uh, at least like, like Perón, he seems to have been at least uh, publicly devout. Now, how deeply devout he was, I don't know. Um, okay, did you get into his nickname, Father of the Poor? Is it just because he's integralist or was integralist for a time? Well, he wasn't. He was, yeah. I mean, again, as with Juan Perón, who had similar titles, uh, during a in, a in a country that had been ravaged by the Depression and that had a very rigid class structure anyway, he uh, looked to the poor as his major interest and also his major source of uh, support. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, question from Vonday Radio again. Oh. Vonday Radio says, please, Charles, could you speak to us of the customs, textures, and colors of midsummer? Please, could you evoke Der Oxumer? The folk songs and maypoles, the twilight and bonfires of St. John's Eve. Please speak to us of strawberries and cream, cool ale, oaklands, and delicious green swords, of fairies dancing in the moonlit glade, of Titania and Oberon and Thranduil, the woodland king, of solstices, high feasts at Camelot, of that time when dreams are strange and vivid, and the world is at its largest. Wow. <laughs> One day radio's questions sometimes are just like a like a meditation, you know, like a poetic meditation on the subject. Yeah, and I, I would say he did it again. I'm I'm enchanted. You know, it, but there are there are Around, scattered around the year, there are these periods of enchantment, and we owe it to ourselves to enjoy them. Midsummer, uh, autumn and harvest and Halloween, Christmas, Candlemas, Mardi Gras, all around the year, May 1st, May Day. Every few months, there's something wonderful and pleasant to enjoy, and we really should, when the world seems young again and reborn and magical. That's really, really delightful. Thank you for reminding us of that, Monday Radio. The, uh, when the dreams are vivid. That's lovely. That's absolutely lovely. Mm. All right. Um question from Chicago Jacobite who says salutations to all Neapolitan and Gallic warriors for truth wow take that personally guys okay <laughs> alright we will uh, Russell Kirk famously identified the father of modern conservatism as Edmund Burke because of his prescience concerning the French Revolution but Burke was a Whig like many modern American Republicans he talked a good game but always voted with the opposition wouldn't a, wouldn't a better model for modern conservatism were we to choose another Englishman of that time be Samuel Johnson? But then explaining his monarchism, not to mention his uh, Jacobitism, uh, would need some fancy explaining. Charles, what do you think of Dr. Johnson? 
uh, in parentheses, did you know that the missing period of his life corresponds to the 45? I did. And I think Dr. Johnson is a much better uh, symbol, even as you've implied, than is uh, the, as he called him, the bottomless wig, Edmund Burke. Uh, Johnson was a, not just a great writer, but a great thinker, very devout for an Anglican, um, and not at all anti-Catholic. I think he would be a brilliant best example. Now you might say, well, gee, what about the monarchism and the Jacobitism? My answer is, well, so what? What's your point? So what? Big deal. What he said about them is worth studying. And if they're true, well, they just have to live with it. They're true. Full stop. Um, he was, uh, Dr. Johnson was uh, consulted, shall we say, by very, very many people because of his tremendous knowledge um. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to put him in place of Burke any day. Hmm. All right. Um. All right. I mean, that's all the questions we have uh, for today. I know it's a little bit of a shorter episode. Um. But so what's a holiday? Have, it's a holiday, you know. But what did you have planned for us, Charles? Well, have your barbecue tomorrow, or Monday rather. We're going to have the flag out. And what's interesting is that, as I mentioned, I forget it was the pre-show earlier today, but this is the first 4th of July since I was 12 that I really feel completely happy to celebrate. And my a classmate of mine is a Dutch girl, and she asked, she said, gee, it's too bad you won't be able to celebrate it in your own country then. And I said, no, because in my own country, a ton of people feel the reverse of what I do. In other words, where I've felt a shadow on the celebration of the 4th since Roe v. Wade, they'll feel it because Roe v. Wade has been knocked down. And this is the beginning of a new era of conflict and difficulty. But put all that aside, for the immediate it is the 4th of July, and while I'll be quite frank, I'm a loyalist, I'm no great proponent of the American Revolution and the ideals of the founders and all that stuff, but I'll tell you what I am a proponent of. I'm a proponent of the country as she is, of the United States and all their craziness and their, their goodness and their horror, the, the country that our ancestors came to and benefited from tremendously, and unfortunately did not in turn give their great treasure, which was the Catholic faith. Uh, we Catholics have failed our country so far, but we should redouble our dedication to her and our love of her, because she's a wonderful country. You know, I... I always say that if you want to hate the United States, study our foreign policy. If you want to love the United States, take a long road trip. See the cow palaces and the wall drugs and all the weird, quirky things that make this great nation of ours so wonderful. From Colonial Williamsburg to the Customs House in Monterey. 
and from the the uh, governor's mansion in uh, the side of the governor's palace, the Spanish governor's palace in San Antonio, Texas, to the great church of St. John Cantius in Chicago. See the whole thing, as much of it as you can. That's how you'll learn to love it. Mm. Uh, and that is what we should really be doing with the 4th of July and the fireworks and all that. It is renewing our love of the country that God gave us as our part of the world to heal and to evangelize, which is the same thing. Mm. All right. That'll do it for this episode. No. No. What else we got? We got a lot. Do we? Yeah, you can, now go ahead, sing it. You no. know you want to. Wait, go ahead and sing what? I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. No, I'm not singing it. I am a closet singer. All right. Here you go. No. Right <laughs> no, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I have my limits, Charles. Singing in front of thousands of people is one of them. All right, fine. You're not going to sing, I'll sing. Okay. Something really patriotic. All right. Are you Are you ready? Yes. Are you so, so shivering with and quivering with anticipation for this demonstration of patriotism? Yes. All right. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies, to the mountains, to the oceans, to the prairies, white with grain, white with foam. I had it right the first time. Never mind. God bless America, our home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. But I have to tell you that that thing has a lead up, an intro, that I've always liked almost better than the song itself. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Uh, where is the lead up? Boy, these things are difficult. It's, it was written by Irving Berlin, incidentally, who uh, was for America a little bit like um, Norman Rockwell was for painting. Ah, here we go. This is what I wanted. This is the intro. You ready? Ready. All right. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance 
to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Hmm. Well, I mean, I do mean every word of that. And ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are Americans, uh, you know that we have ahead of us a long and difficult journey. And for those of you who aren't, you know that we have all have ahead of us a long and difficult journey. <laughs> <laughs> every country is afflicted with the same kind of madness that emanates from that hideous strength. But whether American or not, let's all pray for each other and do as much as we can for each other that all of our countries become the very best places they can be and eventually fulfill whatever destiny God has in mind for each of them. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the essence of patriotism, Countries, like individuals, do have a particular purpose in God's mind. Our beloved country has as her patroness the Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. And we should never, ever, ever forget that. Really, much as much fun as Independence Day can be, our real national day is the 8th of December. So, with that, I've got a question for you, boss. Sure, Charles. Are you are you going to be barbecuing uh, on Monday? Oh yeah. But that won't make you forget what else happens on Monday. That's right. It won't. <laughs> because if it's Monday, it's off the menu. And despite all the all the barbecue you'll be eating, the soul you save may be your own. God bless all. See you next week. When? When? I will be back at the <gasps> fabulous old studio. Wow. Yes. And my I will be pre-stuffed with glazed donuts. <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> it's the least we can do, do, Charles. We spare no expense at Tumblr House. That's not really true, but okay, <laughs> if you say so. Oh, and ladies and gentlemen, if if uh, if any of you qualify in the next sweepstakes, you may or may not win a tour through the Tumblr House Tower, starting and ending at the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, 
remember any any purchases you make in the gift shop will be taken off the expense of your ticket. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a deal, Charles. I think so too. So if you want to participate, uh, remember that it's valid wherever this sort of weird kind of a deal is offered. <laughs> so be sure in your in your local A and P store to keep your eye out for your entry tickets. All right. Well, All that's, right, well that's where they're for sale, right? The A and P's. The A and P's. Yep. Exclusively. Yeah, so you, you, you 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 look at, at your local A and P store, and wherever you see the Tupperware House sweepstakes tickets for sale, remember, in addition to going through the tower, you get some real deals in that uh, in that gift shop, real cheap stuff. You know, I notice they have a bunch of rubber gloves. Yeah. Well, I just thought that was interesting to see in a gift shop. Rubber gloves are handy. Yeah, but you don't think of them as gift shop stuff. It's like the old TVs. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next time, folks. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Ciao.